From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Dr. Jessica Summers is an assistant professor of surgery at Upstate and the medical director of the Clark Burns Center at Upstate University Hospital. She's with me today in the HealthLink on Air studio to talk about caring for burn patients. Welcome, Dr. Summers. Thank you. So a big part of caring for burn patients is actually getting the word out to help prevent burn injury in the first place, and we're going to get to that, but let's start with the treatment for a burn caused by flames. Um, What advice do you give for how to help someone who's been burned? Yeah, so um, the first part of, you know, helping after someone's been burned is to actually stop the burning process. The stop, drop, and roll? Stop, drop, and roll, Um, you know, putting water on it, you know, jumping in water. Um, you know, we recommend the stop, drop, and roll as the, the the mainstay, but basically doing whatever you can to kind of stop the burning process. So if your clothes are on fire, take the clothes off? Right. You want to okay. stop the fire first and then get all the clothes off. Um, if they come off, sometimes, you know, with some certain fabrics, they'll get stuck, and that's okay. Just leave them there. Um, but if you can get them off, get them off is the best and then you want to basically just cover the area or the patient in, in dry, clean sheets and try to keep them as warm as possible. Um, try to keep as warm as possible, but they've just been burned. Why would you want to keep them warm? Right. So uh, your skin is, uh, you know, the biggest organ in your body, and one of its main functions is regulating body temperature. And if a significant portion of it is burned, then your body is no longer able to keep its own temperature. And so your body temperature declines very quickly if you have a large burn. And so keeping them very warm is, is important. Um, that sounds counter. It seems like, it, you know, if you burn yourself, you would reach for ice. But that's the wrong thing to do, right? Right, yes. Huh. So um, a small area you can cool with water uh, for a short amount of time, three to five minutes. But really placing ice on any burn uh, leads to an actual cold injury in addition to the thermal injury. So it can worsen the burn injury. Wow. Now, do all burn injuries require emergency attention, or how do you determine whether you need an emergency visit? Yeah, um, well, I would say that, you know, all burns should be cared for by, you know, a physician or a provider, medical provider. So going to an urgent care or emergency room or your primary care physician as soon as possible is um, a good idea, and then he or she can determine whether a higher level of care is, is needed for that particular burn. Okay. Let's say it is severe enough um, that you need to go to the hospital emergency department. What happens when you get there? Yeah, so um, they're obviously going to bring you in. Um, You know, pain medications, we're going to provide pain medications for you because burns are extremely painful. And then we do need to clean the burn and get kind of all of the, the dead tissue off. And then we would, you know, dress the burn. And what we dress the burn in uh, depends on the, the depth of the burn and the extent of the injury. Um, depth and extent, does that get into the first degree, second degree, third degree? Those are all exactly. still... Exactly, okay. yes. Yep. All right. Well, let's talk about some specific types of burn injuries and what people can do to reduce their risk. Because um, in central New York, as we get into warmer weather, people are sort of outdoors more. Yeah. Um, campfires. You know, we're entering a season... Um, of camping. So what what do you have in terms of um, being safe, advice for being safe? Yeah, so, um, you know, with campfires, you specifically want to have a large area that's cleared of any debris or anything else that's flammable. 
Um, you want to keep a supply of water or fire extinguisher nearby in case the fire gets out of hand or somebody does get burned. Um, you don't want to use an accelerant um, to like such as gasoline or even um, you know a, a charcoal starter to start a regular wood fire um, as the fire can become out of hand very quickly and that's how people get injured. Okay, so just matches or lighter. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then when you're done with your campfire, it's very important to put it out completely. And that involves placing water on it, stirring it, and then putting more water on it until the fire is actually cool. Uh, you don't want to ever bury that fire because people can come by and walk on it afterwards and the embers can still be hot and other people can be inadvertently injured with that way. Is it, uh, I know a lot of people like to, you know, roast hot dogs or uh, marshmallows by the campfire. Can you do that safely? You can do that safely. Um, if you have children, uh, they need to be, you know, watched very closely. Um, you don't want to have any loose-fitting clothing that can fall into the flames and then start a fire that way. So making sure that you have, you know, a large enough or long enough kind of stick to roast the things with um, is the best best way so being sensible and using care yes so let's move into gasoline i know gas is responsible for some 500 deaths each year 3900 hospitalizations 6000 house fires gasoline right yes so what do we need to know about handling gasoline safely so uh the biggest thing is you know store gasoline in kind of a uh, cool well ventilated area um you do want to keep uh, it away from sources of fire, such as your stoves or furnaces. Um, the, the, the issue with gasoline is that it's really not the liquid that ignites the, the source of the fire. It's the vapor that can kind of collect in an enclosed space. Oh, I didn't realize that. I yes. thought it would, like if you spilled it or something, but it's the vapor. Mm -hmm. It's huh. the vapor that ignites more quickly than the liquid. And then, of course, the liquid then catches on fire after that. But... Um, you know, the vapor is, is, is extremely dangerous. Um, the one thing about gasoline is that it can ignite at temps even less than, or at negative 45 degrees. Um, and that's so it can start our cars in, in Syracuse winters and whatnot, but it can burn at very low temperatures. Um, and that vapor has a, is, um, has a very high density. And so it collects low to the ground. Um, it doesn't disperse into the air. Um, huh. Okay. Um, I, some people like to use gasoline for cleaning stuff. Right. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Yeah, you don't want to use it as any kind of cleaning solution. Don't want to use it to kill weeds um, or as an insect killer. Um, it's really designed just for the, the fuel that it's designed for, small motors and, and, and gasoline engines. You don't want to use it um, uh, in other things that are designed for other fuels such as kerosene either. Let me ask you this, the, the first aid sort of things that we talked about at the beginning, does that apply to uh, burns from gasoline as well? Is it kind of the same thing? Yeah, if it's a flame burn um, from gasoline, you want to, again, stop the burning process, so stop, stop drop, and roll, um, smother the fire as best you can. Um, if you have gasoline spill on you, you want to rinse it um, extensively for at least 20 to 30 minutes with water. Um, the gasoline can also cause a chemical uh, burn in addition to oh. lighting, you know, getting, you know, lit on fire. Okay. This is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Jessica Summers. She's the medical director of the Clark Burn Center at Upstate University Hospital in Syracuse. This is the burn center that serves all of central New York, right? Yes. Uh, counties yeah. all around. 
Um, and we're talking about safety. Uh, I wanted to move into propane and gas grill safety. Um, this is, again, the season that, that more people are using those um, gas grills. So what do we need to know to keep ourselves safe with that? Yeah, so uh, the issue with propane is you want to store it, again, in a well-ventilated area away from any sources of flame. Um, check your connections to your gas grill frequently, making sure that they're well-connected and there's no leaking. Um, when you start your grill, you want to make sure the lid is open when you've got, you know, start the gas into the grill before you light it so that some of the vapors can disperse and you don't have a, a big collection that can form a fireball once oh, they light. if you leave it closed, you could yes. start it. Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you want to kind of make sure that you only turn the valve on your tank, you know, a fourth or a halfway open so that you don't get a big rush of gas when you're lighting it. Um, and then when you're not using it, it's good to keep the valve on the propane tank closed. All right. What if something does happen and you, and you do try to light it with the lid still closed and there is like a fireball, I'm imagining it would come back and hit you in the face probably. Mm -hmm. So that's got to be pretty severe injury to deal with. Do, how, do you, how do you cope with that? Yeah, I mean, I think if, so um, a lot of times the flash burns are just a flash and it's a big kind of um, engulfing. And if it just kind of gets your, your face, a lot of times it'll burn out very quickly. But then, of course, it can catch your hair or your clothes on fire. And again, it's the, you know, the stopping the burning process. You want to smother that flame, stop, drop, and roll, get a, you know, if someone's around, with water, douse with water, blanket to smother um, the fire somehow to keep it from spreading. Um, and then, of course, you want to seek medical attention, you know, very quickly. Urgent care, emergency room, calling 911. Even if it's just to your face and it's a flash burn, is it going to feel like a sunburn? or? Oh, it could feel anything from a sunburn to even worse. Um, you know, people do have extensive injuries from flash burns. Um, they can cause, you know, deeper second-degree burns or even third-degree burns um, in some cases. All right. Well, that's, let's segue into charcoal grill safety because um, that's a little bit different than a gas grill, right? Yeah. Um, what do we need to know about using charcoal? Yeah, so you only want to use an approved uh, starter fluid for a charcoal grill. You don't want to put any gasoline or any other kind of accelerant on your charcoal grill. Um, you know, it's good to use a mitt that's approved, you know, for high temperatures when lighting so your hand, you know, your hand doesn't get burned. Um after you've applied that starter fluid, you do want to kind of allow the vapors to evaporate um, for a minute or two before you then go to light the charcoal. Again, you know, it's that vapor that can catch on fire that can then injure you. Okay. Um, always want to keep uh, water handy in case there's an emergency, so a bucket of water or a hose nearby. Um, and then again, you want, if you're, you know, using charcoal, you know, you want to make sure that you put them out completely when you're done. So again, lots of water, stir more water until those coals are, are uh, nice and cool. And again, don't bury them because people can walk on them later and, and injure themselves. How do you tell if they're cool without touching them? Well, I mean, you so hold your hand over and then, and you know, you just can... Just kind of use your judgment if right. there's... Okay, raising. Now let me ask you how you got involved in the care of burn patients. How did you choose to go into this area of medicine? Yeah, so I was um, a general surgery resident at uh, Case Western uh, and Metro Health in Cleveland, Ohio, um, and uh, there's a burn unit there, and so I uh, got some uh, extra special training kind of in that and exposed to it um, throughout my entire residency, um, and fell in love with 
with burn patients from that standpoint. Um, they can be the sickest patients in the hospital um, and can be quite challenging from a medicine perspective, but also just, you know, kind of taking someone who is, you know, devastated, um, you know, both emotionally and physically, and then taking them through their whole entire care with skin grafting and rehabilitation and, and reconstruction um, to becoming, you know, a normal, normal person again. It seems like in that area of surgery, you form a longer-term relationship with patients than maybe surgeons do in some other areas. Very true, it, yes. And we, just... we continue to follow them, you know, for years because, you know, the, once they're healed, you know, the process doesn't stop. Like, there's a lot of reconstruction that's involved, and, and um, so we continue to follow them for many years afterwards. I didn't realize that. So even after, <clears throat> if I've had a skin graft, um, you still check in on that every mm -hmm. year or so? Yeah, if it's a major injury, unfortunately, there's a lot of contractures that can form um, because even the skin graft is basically a scar that needs to heal. And, and scars, the way that they heal in the human body is that they, they contract, they shrink in. And so that can, you know, cause a lot of functional limitations in people. And so ultimately that needs to be taken care of over, over years. Well, um, if there's children involved with burns and they're still growing and their skin's still, still developing, does that help them heal? Um, well, children do heal some better than, than adults do because they have better regeneration properties, I think. Um, but they're also a special challenge because when they do have an extensive burn wound over a large portion of their body, um, they are growing, and scars don't tend to stretch as well as normal skin, and so they, they tend to have a bit more actual reconstruction problems than adults do. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I thank you for coming in and sharing this information with us. My guest has been Dr. Jessica Summers. She's the medical director of the Clark Burn Center at Upstate University Hospital in Syracuse. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air. <laughs>